Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, G-Shade developer kills their own project thanks to malware. Intel is back in the workstation market. Microsoft is become AI. And Overwatch just wants to make love. That's all they want to do after ruining everything else about themselves. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's who I'm going to this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. I apologize again for being out for so long. I got a terrible, terrible case of the flu. And um, you know how I keep saying I need to find a good guest host program to go ahead and have someone fill in in case I'm unable to do it for whatever reason? Yeah, I, I still need to do that. We have one. But the thing is that I can't keep relying on the same person over and over again. You want to have, like, a variance in it. And it's just, uh, the other problem is that we're so small. Audience-wise, we are pretty small out there. Bigger than some, mind you. I would say bigger than the majority of podcasts out there, but it's because the podcast market, much like the streaming market, is absolutely flooded with zero listener podcasts. It actually is kind of surprising to me still because of that, that Anchor has no subscription plan for their host for their podcasters. It's one of the reasons why every other one did just that. But I digress. I am back. I plan on staying here for a while. Hopefully no more illnesses, no more fatigue no more real life get in the way i hope i really really hope but we'll have to just wait and see how things go but first things first this is one story that is actually fascinating and actually i had front row seats to and which is why we're going to open with it first i want to talk about g-shade what is g-shade all right so First things first. G-Shade is a program for Final Fantasy XIV. It is technically something that you shouldn't be using. Because of the way, however, G-Shade works, and because it doesn't do anything that affects your gameplay other than reduce your frames drastically by, make, by forcing your game to look prettier than it should be, there has never been any enforcement of G-Shade, or of G-Shade being implemented. There just hasn't been. Alright, it's pretty much just been free game. Nobody cares. G-Shade, however, is a fork of an already existing program, this I actually didn't know until recently, called Reshade. Reshade actually is built for lots of different games to go ahead and force shading effects, force depth of field and all kinds of other things. G-Shade was just a fork of it that was specifically designed to work on Final Fantasy XIV. Reshade is open source. G-Shade is not. 
two important details in this, all right? So, as of recently, G-Shade was pushing out a lot of updates, all right? And the thing is that whenever G-Shade pushes out an update, you have to update it or your shaders refuse to work. That is just how it is. Everything involving G-Shade just will refuse to function until you update. Which then means that you've just opened up the game, now you have to close the game, inst install the update, and then reopen it, and then hopefully all your settings didn't get lost. It's been a big pain in the butt. It turns out the reason that there are all these updates was because of... Well, first off, just just the developers trying to tweak things, but then also simultaneously, an independent developer by the name of Not Knight was getting sick of the updates and then tried to skim some of the proprietary stuff off G-Shade and patch it into Reshade. The, the primary developer, a man by the name, who goes by the name of Merit, did not like this and put in code so that if you tried to install G-Shade or just tried to run G-Shade outside of normal parameters, it would force restart your entire computer without administrative privileges. This is actually seriously bad. Because if you can go ahead and do something as simple as just force restarting the machine, it means there's a whole lot of other stuff that is open access to your machine that the program could just do. And in fact, Merritt said exactly this. That he put in this update specifically to teach people like Not Knight a lesson that anything could be in there and you shouldn't mess with the program. To which then Not Knight responded with, hate to tell you this, but including malware in your code and saying I was the one that triggered it is not the big brain play you think it is. And in fact, once everyone started getting wind of exactly what was going on and in how much detail it was going on, the outrage began to pour out. Like, that's not good at all. Now, Merritt then down the road, and by down the road, I mean about an hour later. Then push out a post on the G Posers forum. The, the, I'm sorry, the G Posers Discord. The G Posers 
is a community of people who pose the characters within Final Fantasy 14 using the built-in group posing tool, but try to find ways to make very, very beautiful screenshots. It's actually a very interesting community. The thing is that the G-Posers community eventually just became kind of the central home of G-Shade because, of course, it was an integral part of the community. Well, Merritt then had to go ahead and put the post up saying, quote, I would like to personally apologize for the undue stress I may have caused both the community and our moderators in the process of attempting to improve, or I'm sorry, in attempting to improperly address an ongoing situation as part of the conflict with third parties, attempting to re redistribute copyrighted assets within G-Shade without permission, an anti-tamper function was added to G-Shade's installer to trigger restarts in the event a third party, external software or library utilized G-Shade's installer functions without actually running it. It was not possible to trigger this function by running G-Shade installer normally. The function has been removed from G-Shade. It will not be implemented again. Moving forward, I will also be easing up on the update requirements associated with G-Shade as they are ultimately what led to this conflict in the first place. Here's the killer part. The claim in all of this was that he was just defending his copyrighted assets. As far as anyone can tell, both by the license files within G-Shade and anything else, there is no actual official copyrighted anything within G-Shade. In fact, the only claim there has been for G-Shade to have any sort of copyright is by saying that you agree, is by a faint agreement that exists when you install the bloody thing. And that's it. Basically, this is about as copy, copyright safe and protectable as this plastic bag on my desk. So safe. It was then made even better when 40 minutes later, the administrator of the G-Posers has straight up said, Due to the recent controversy with G-Shade, this server will be reverted back to its original intention of serving G-Posers Monthly Magazine. That's their monthly little publication where they just, you know, just show off some very good poses. That's it. It's, it's just an on online little newsletter sort of thing. G-Shade will remain available on GitHub and will not receive updates for the time being. We are extremely sorry for the trouble that was caused and appreciate your patience while the server rework is in progress. The next day, GitHub went and took action. Because here's the thing. G-Shade is hosted on GitHub. GitHub has a policy because in certain companies, or in companies, countries, it is illegal to redistribute malware. 
Now, it's arguable whether forcing your computer to restart without your permission and without administrative permission falls into the actual category of true malware or just what some would call prankware. But, um, you know, GitHub really doesn't feel like um, dealing with that. And in fact, G-Shade was pulled off the GitHub. And here's the best part. Because G-Shade requires an update or will not function without an update, and if there's ever anything that interrupts the update process, the software will not start. Effectively, all versions of G-Shade were bricked. Poof. None of them worked. Which then led to every single G-Poser out there starting to make guides for how to use the original open source software reshade with ff14 and try to get all the wonderful features they had with gshade onto reshade so that's the timeline like i said i had front row seats to this whole whole thing mostly because i use gshade not on the computer that i stream with mind you the client of FF14 that I stream with is untainted. It is pure. I do not want any mods on that computer at all. None of it zip zero nada. The one on my streaming PC does have a few mods, but solely to take the screenshots that are used as the stream wallpaper. That's pretty much it. But because that sort of stuff is frowned upon, I don't want that anywhere near my stream. Period. End of story. <sighs> so, what will happen to G-Shade? Well, it's been a few weeks. And right now, as it stands, G-Shade is no longer on GitHub. The last thing that was said from anyone about G-Shade is that there are no planned updates. And it actually sounds like that, in fact, the project may 100% just be completely and utterly dead. my thoughts on this. How do you mess this up? Seriously. How does one person have such an ego problem that they just felt, you know, maybe I should go ahead and play God. How do you have that much of a power trip? Because here's the thing. This was one move 
And G-Shade was so popular that many people that were in this kind of community of posing characters and modeling within Final Fantasy XIV knew of no other program other than G-Shade for this kind of reshading. No one. Not a soul. This guy had the Band-Aid effect, the Kleenex effect for this independent software. And what was even better, for, the, for Goodwill, never asked for a cent. Which that in itself is kind of shocking. This was 100% a passion project, but for whatever reason, felt it was necessary to protect a non-existent copyright for something that you make no money on. How foolish can one person be? And all it took was one really stupid move. And that's it. Within 24 hours, the entire house of cards came toppling down, set on fire, and became ashes in the wind. And even if you aren't within the Final Fantasy XIV community, this is still a very valuable lesson. Because it is a reminder that no matter how big something is, it absolutely 100% can result in the downfall of an empire that way. Looking at you, Twitter. Looking at you. And it is something to keep in mind. Always think things through. There is a reason why a lot of these companies have multiple people at various lead positions so that when someone says a dumb idea, someone else can smack them and say, no, bad, we're not doing that. And that's just how these sort of things could just be avoided. But in the case of G-Shade, nope, it's gone forever. Let's shift gears radically. We're actually gonna go ahead and rapid fire through a few things here. But I wanted to open the G-Shade one because it does set kind of something to keep in mind. Amazon, however, is shifting how much of a cut they're taking from sellers. They are now taking a 50% cut of seller's revenue including the transaction fee and fulfillment fees. Now, keep in mind that um, this 50% cut 
is for products that Amazon goes ahead and does all the fulfillment for. Meaning that they use they use their own warehouse spacing. They use their crew to go ahead and get it and all the logistics stuff. Everything's handled by Amazon. All you do is just ship the product to Amazon. I'm not gonna lie though. 50% of the revenue of a product is a lot. I want you to think about something, all right? I can actually take an item from, from my store actually, lint rollers. I mentioned lint rollers because there's one of the few products that would actually be a consumable that is bought, all right? Let's say my cost for lint rollers is, we'll say a dollar, make it easy, all right? I sell them for $2 in the shop, all right? My cost from the manufacturer is a dollar, sold in my shop, $2. What if I decided to start like, trying to get my name out there on Amazon, try to start to just sell them out there? I would literally make no money. Because 50% of my $2 leaves me with a dollar, which is my cost, which leaves me with nothing. In fact, more than likely it would leave me with a negative amount just after taxes and all that jazz. So while 50% seems might seem reasonable to some because of course amazon is dealing with the warehousing they are dealing with the packaging they are dealing with the logistics they are dealing with the the shipping they're dealing with everything in managing your product all you're doing is going from wherever you're manufacturing or whether you're drop selling from or wherever and sending it to amazon But, and someone in the chat just mentioned this. A lot of other places keep using 30%. Do you know why Steam uses 30% as a metric? Or why Apple uses 30% a metric? Or why Google uses 30% as a metric for their cut on their store? It's because that actually is a standard cut in retail. And a standard cut in retail would also include all that Amazon is doing. All you do is ship your product to the retailer. You as the manufacturer of that product would get 70%. And then the Best Buy or whoever would get 30% of, of the cut as their, their cost for rent for paying employees for paying everything else in their operations that's how retail runs that's why the 30 70 split is so notorious amazon taking 50 50 when you look at that sort of thing is just plain greedy 
Like, there's no other way to look at it. It's just kind of rude. Comcast gave a false map of data to the FCC and it didn't admit it until um, Ars Technica started looking into it. From Ars Technica themselves, um, they dropped an investigative report saying that um, the map of Comcast coverage versus um, what they actually cover didn't match up at all. And then when they brought this to Comcast attention, uh, they went ahead and said, uh, yeah, the, the map we sent to the FCC was bad. My bad. And then people wonder why no one trusts Comcast as an ISP. You thought AT&T and Spectrum were bad? Ooh, they got nothing on Comcast. It is shocking just how much of a scummy company Comcast continues to prove that they are determined to be and it apparently just doesn't even stop. Wee. Someone in chat asked, it's Comcast. When was the last time they told the truth about anything? Uh, right now, when they admitted they lied. Whoops. Speaking of trust issues, Anchor is recalling the power bank model Three, I'm sorry, 535 over a power, I'm sorry, over a fire risk. Apparently these batteries were, have a defect that can cause them to spontaneously combust while charging. Look, if you were nostalgic for the Note 7 days, let me tell you, It ain't nothing compared to this. I mean, it is because that was all note phones. They had the flaw. This is only some of them. But I mean, the note only had like a 3000 milliamp battery. Um, These suckers are like 15,000. They have like five times the power capacity. And it's five times the fireball. Whoops. So yeah, if you're going to notice and you own one of these mid-range power banks from Anchor, you might want to go ahead and uh, actually listen to it. Meanwhile, Samsung has pushed out more firmware updates to address the failing SSD health of the Samsung 990 Pro. Check your updates if you have a Samsung 990 Pro SSD. For those who don't recall what this was, excuse me. Apparently there was something going on within certain Samsung SSD lines in which the SSD was wearing it out faster than it should have been. There is now a firmware update to resolve the issue, and this is yet another kind of black eye to the growing list of issues that Samsung has. And guys, 
I have bad news. Someone in chat asked, didn't the 980 also have failure issues? The 980 got a firmware update like two weeks ago. We covered it very briefly on Eagle Eyes on Tech, but yes, it did also get an up a firmware update. But guys, I have bad news. Internet Explorer 11 has been disabled forever, starting on the 14th. Anyway, Dell is planning on cutting its workforce to a rather shocking amount. Dell actually plans on late. Well, actually, by this time, they probably already did laid off about 6,650 of their workers due to the decline of personal computers. And I wonder why there is a huge decline in personal computers. It couldn't be because we all already upgraded our computers, you know, back in the year 2020 when we were required to work, work from home, right? It couldn't be because of that, right? It also couldn't be because inflation is running so rampant, nobody wants to go ahead and do an upgrade when instead they just want to afford food. Yeah, this is not surprising at all. What is surprising is the fact that Dell went ahead and actually grew their workforce so much that now they have to decline it. And this is a trend we keep seeing in a lot of tech companies as of late. And it's just raising a lot of, hmm, a lot of concern, you know? It's a little surprising. But it is what it is. Speaking of other emergency updates, Apple has an emergency update that affects pretty much every single one of their operating systems. Mac OS 16.3.1, iPad OS 16.3.1, and Mac OS, oh wait, iOS, I'm sorry, iOS 16.3.1, iPad OS 16.3.1, and Mac OS 13.2.1. Wait, when do we get onto Mac OS 13? Have we actually just been upping macOS's version by whole numbers now? When did that happen? So for those who don't know, we've been on macOS 10 for the longest time. Like every, like they basically went ahead and pushed out that macOS 10 was going to be like the last version of macOS. And this was long, long ago, like 2002. And then eventually every year they release a point version and they end up calling them by cats. 10.1 was called like cheetah 10 point. No, 10.2. No, 10.1 didn't have a cat. 10.2 was cheetah. 10.3 was panther. 10.4 was lion. 10.5 was leopard. 10.6 was snow leopard. 10.7 was mountain lion. And then they gave up. Well, they kept going like that for a while. Then when they switched to Apple Silicon, then they finally called it macOS 11. So I guess now we're just calling it full versions from here on out. All right, so I have to last 
Um, what is it? 56 more years? So we can get to macOS version 69. Nice. But in any case, you need to go ahead and update your macOS version because there is a dangerous WebKit vulnerability that allows people to take control of your computer without your permission. Without you knowing. Whoops. By the way, for those who don't know, uh, macOS then started naming themselves after, um, well, first they started going with random things like El Capitan, which by the way, if you don't know, is Spanish for the Capitan, and then started naming themselves after um, locations within California, like uh, Maverick and uh, Yosemite and other things like that, or Sierra. But yes, update your macOS. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the more shocking news within the creator space. Susan of YouTube has stepped down. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so we got a bit of a shocker on Thursday. Out of seemingly nowhere, Susan Wajiki, which I have most likely mispronounced and I apologize. And from here on out, I'm just going to refer to her as Susan has stepped down as CEO of YouTube. Now, for those who don't know, she's been there for a while. She's actually been there for 25 years. She has overseen a lot of what has gone on at Google. A lot of good and also a lot of very infuriating bad. But for the most part, YouTube has thrived under her. Oh, I'm sorry. She's only been with YouTube for it was in 25 years. She's been with Google for 25 years. I want to say 10 years. The article I unfortunately grabbed didn't have it. Eight years. Chat is saying that sounds about correct. The thing is that she's overseen a lot of good, a lot of growth, a lot of very good features being implemented, but then other things have been implemented, like the removal of the dislike button. Why? Oh, it's right there. 2014 is when, when she joined, which would, yeah, which, which would put her eight going on nine years. So why now? Why is she stepping down? 
So she says that it is stepping down to take care of family. Which honestly may be correct. That also being said, there is a lawsuit going on right now between the Supreme Court and YouTube in regards to the way the algorithm works. There's much better people who can explain this in far better detail than I ever could, but basically someone who was, who was fed a whole lot of ISIS videos from YouTube apparently got more fed to them via the algorithm and was radicalized as a result and ended up doing some bad things. It has now gone all the way up to the Supreme Court whether YouTube is liable for the radicalization of this person or not. And that's, that ruling is going to have a profound impact on how a lot of the internet functions. Whether platforms like YouTube are held responsible for what users post to their platform or not. It could be the end of YouTube as you know it. It could be the end of Twitch as you know it. It could be the end of a lot of platforms as you know it. It will not be the end of TikTok as you know it because there's no way in heck TikTok is going to listen to anyone because TikTok does whatever the heck it wants because TikTok is a freaking rebel in the way it operates. And well, they're going to be their own downfall anyway. That could be a reason Susan is stepping down. So, who is taking her place? Well, that's kind of the concerning thing right now. The guy who's going to be stepping in goes by the name of... I'm trying to stall forever. I can't find the name of this guy now to save my life. Holy cow. Because, of course, the one story I pick as my footnote for this, as my note, is just talking about just Susan. That is super not helpful at all. But while I search for the guy's name, the thing to note about the guy is that he has, first off, he is not being appointed as CEO. He is being appointed as vice president of YouTube. Now, titles almost don't mean anything. You can go ahead and name yourself whatever you want. I mean, for crying out loud, Elon made him, named himself frickin' Techno King. It really, really, really doesn't matter. It's just nice when people, you know, decide to Continue to use the correct titles. Here we go. The name of the guy is Neil Mohan. And this guy was actually responsible for trying to pitch the idea a few years ago of having YouTube try to integrate 
NFTs into the platform, who then was then swatted down by Susan. Some of the reports are saying that he's been a big Web 3.0 shill for a while. It's hard to say for certain because there's not a whole lot of solid info about the guy. There is basically just that, that he tried to go ahead and get NFTs on YouTube. There is not a whole lot that is worse for a platform than saying you're for NFTs. Unless your platform is to be a scam center. Then it's the best thing you could say. Since that's all NFTs are basically used for. Ripping people off in scams over and over and over again. But back to Susan for a minute. The whole thing about just stepping down. Is there anything more to look into this? Well, you wouldn't think so. But there have been some leaks out from within Google about the working conditions within Google being dysfunctional. A blog post within a blog post that was put up by an ex Google employee says that quote as I see it Google has four cultural problems they are the natural consequences of having money printing machines called ads that has kept growing relentlessly every year hiding all other sins no mission no urgency delusions of exceptionalism and mismanagement and we've kind of seen a little bit of that. Remember Stadia? Yeah, it was a great, great, great thing. No, no one liked it. And everything about it was terrible. And in fact, um, every little itty bitty bit of it was just unwanted. And of course, when you continue to make money because you're the number one ad producer out there. Bad managers aren't found and kept around. It makes sense and it does make you start to wonder. Are other problems about to be shown? Because. Here's the thing. I know a lot of you go out of your way to not have any ads that you go out of your way to either have an ad blocker or to go ahead and actually buy YouTube premium so you don't get ads. If you get ads right now from YouTube, you're going to notice something that you've seen on Twitter shortly after it was bought, the majority of the ads right now are really bad and are from organizations that are sketchy to say the best case scenario. 
some of these places trying to offer 98 cent earbuds or just random gadgets that defy the laws of physics and how they operate or you know those those sorts of things the one that's that's basically like a cheap chinese manufacturer trying to sell their products directly but they're defective products basically trying to be wish <laughs> there's no other way to kind of describe them and here's the other thing to consider right now money is a big issue I'm not saying that as some kind of plea to help support the podcast or anything. I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in general, the cost of everything has gone up. People now have a lot less disposable income. I actually thought I might be able to go ahead and swing a trip out to the first uh, FF14 fan festival. I'm looking at my own finances and it looks like it's impossible. It's not going to happen. A lot of companies are seeing their sales drop because expendable income is down. Their cost of operating has gone up. Where are they going to cut their costs? Advertising is going to be first on the list every single time. Google's going to have a problem trying to sell ads if all the ad revenue begins to dry up. And right now, this is the worst month for ads. The worst. You've come out of the holiday season. You're looming at the dreaded R word when it comes to, ec to the economic situation. And of course, inflation is making everything more expensive. Are we going to start seeing Google begin to drastically reform itself simply because, well, that money printer called AdSense is way less effective now. Got to tighten the belt. Got to start making your investments wisely. Could that be another reason why Susan is stepping down? Possible. It is all something to consider as we wait and see what's going on. Now, with other news over at Google, there is a new change happening to Google Images that is that the explicit images will automatically be blurred. So if you're looking for anything scandalous on Google image search, first off, what's wrong with you? There's far better places to find those sort of images. Jeez, learn the internet. Second, fortunately for you, they will be blurred. So you don't have to worry about 
trying to Google something innocent and accidentally have a big, fat, throbbing something or another in full view of whoever you're trying to find images for. That could be really awkward. This honestly is a feature I am surprised didn't come like an eternity ago. But you know what? Um, good on you. Google, although, has another problem. The Pixel 7 Pro is having their volume rockers. That's the one button that you can press up and down to increase your volume or decrease your volume on your phone. It's just falling out of the phone. Just flop. Just, it just falls out. Why it what is it with this particular phone? What is with the Pixel 7 and just seeming to have like all the problems? Like lately the Pixel phones have just seemed like they've gone from a very good budget option to becoming more and more expensive as every single successful phone does for whatever reasons. They just seem to keep having build issues or some kind of weird software issues. I just, I don't get it. I just don't understand how Google manages to keep messing up their own phones time and time and time again. It is just kind of staggering. Anyway, Google also launched their new AI multi-search feature. This is actually powered by something they call Bard that will, that's basically supposed to be a direct competitor to chat GPT. What it does is that it's supposed to use the power of AI to determine what you're looking for is either an image or text and just give you the results or just directly answer the question. So like if I wanted to ask, just Google search up how many cups are in a pint, it would just tell me that answer. It's four, right? Uh, imp imperial fluid measurement is just terrible. I do not defend it, despite growing up with it. So this is all well and good, right? What's the problem? The problem is that it was wrong. The AI just seemed to just randomly give either wrong information or worse, misleading information. And Google CEO realizes how important it is to get AI worked out. Right now in the search world, AI is the new frontier. That must be mastered. Must, 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 must be man's mastered. Bing is right now ahead of Google in this regard. That is how big this is. By the way, uh, Bing launched their beta of a chat GPT powered Bing, and it actually has been scary good. We'll just get, that, that's, that's the whole story.
it's not available out for everyone yet, but everyone that's used it says it's, it's a little wonky, but otherwise, for the most part, it is really good. That's the story. We can skip it when we get to it. Google is now all hands on deck to try and fix this. And by all hands, I mean all hands within that field. Someone in chat says so it was more useless than a spoony bard. Yes. Yes, it was. Also, what is with uh, tech companies lately and using um, fantasy class names as, as their code names? We have uh, Google using Bard. We had Microsoft using Alchemist. I mean, it's only two, but it's weird that it's happened twice. But while Microsoft has also launched Bing, that is powered by ChatGPT, they have also announced Teams powered by ChatGPT. Uh, soon, we are going to be launching Outdoors, powered by ChatGPT, um, Roommates, powered by ChatGPT, and um, Your Boss, also powered by ChatGPT. Everything is going to be powered by ChatGPT, and it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. If you think it's not going to be fine, you're a silly billy. Just, just, just everything. Why not? Make everything powered by ChatGPT. Do you know I'm also powered by ChatGPT? Uh, ask me something that only a chatbot would know. And I'll answer it. I mean, I won't because this is a recording. And also, I'm just kind of BSing you. But why is everything powered by ChatGPT? Uh, chat wants to know when we're going to get pornography powered by chat GPT. I don't know. Maybe I can have uh, chat GPT go ahead and write a fanfic for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about something that has been driving me insane. All right. I don't know how this is in other cities, but let me tell you a story about a little city here in South Southeast Wisconsin called Milwaukee. All right. Milwaukee has had a car theft problem for a while. It's mostly because the police have had a terrible policy called no chase. If someone speeds away with a stolen car, they do not chase. Period. On one hand, this seems intelligent because it means that there are no high-speed chases and thus no injuries caused by it. On the downside, it means that way more people are now more inclined to go ahead and steal cars because all I have to do is floor it and, get a, and then they have a car. Flawless logic. But there was one specific kind of car that is always sought after and targeted for thefts. It's Kias. In fact, there is a gang that's actually known a lot of places called the Kia Boys. And specifically, they use a hack for over a year to bypass the anti-theft and bypass the need to have a key inserted and start the car. 
without anything. It is a terrible design flaw, and it's one that should have never left the factory. This has been going on, documented for over a year. It could have even been going on for longer. It has now gotten to the point where fewer Kias and Hyundais are sold because of these known flaws. After a year, after a year of these known flaws existing, Hyundai and Kia are finally pushing out a software update as a security measure to check to see if there is a key inserted in the, in the ignition before starting the car. And also just patching the exploit at all. Who's gonna buy a Kia now? Now that I've just told you that there has been a comical security flaw that has existed in, in all Kias, this isn't a certain model. This isn't like, oh, it's the super cheap version or, oh, it's the, the one that's sold to soccer moms or anything like, no, 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 all, all Kias. Small Econo car, large SUV, all of them. Actually, I think only Kia makes like small and mid-sized cars. I don't think they actually have any, any big boys. Every single one of them has had this flaw. And it took them a year. A year. To finally address this. I'm stunned. I am honestly stunned that a company is this slow to respond when their name becomes a synonym for steal me. It, it, it's just, it blows me away. It really does. The fact that this went on for so long and the fact that so few people or the fact that that Kia just did so little is incredible. And keep in mind that it's not like these cars are just being taken for a joyride and then returned to their owners. They're usually driven recklessly and then eventually crash into a tree and then abandoned. That's usually how it all ends up. It is like a daily story on my drive into work. On the regular. It is just absolutely dumbfounding it took him this long.
shifting gears over to the EU, across the pond, the European Parliament has said that they declare in 2035, there will be no emissions allowed on vehicles. With the exception of Italian supercars, but there's no emissions allowed at all. Unless you're in the exact same parameters of a of, of a supercar manufacturer like Lamborghini or any other ones. So I have two thoughts in regards to this. First off, Europe has a better chance of having this happen just because they've already been building up this electric infrastructure for a while. But at the same time, their ability to generate electricity is right now very rough. Just this year, there has been a lot of talk about how natural gas is very scarce and a lot of electricity is produced right now via natural gas or other fossil fuels. There's solar, but right now solar panels do not generate enough electricity to power an electric car. Like here. One of the things that's always been asked, why not on an electric car do you not put solar panels? Let me put it this way, all right? The amount of power that is required to move a vehicle to get the range that these electric cars requires is measured in hundreds of kilowatts. Let's just say for simplicity, let's let's even lowball it. Let's say a hundred thousand watts. All right. If you cover a vehicle that is just a small size sedan that would have a battery of that size, do you know how many watts you generate per hour? Three hundred. And that's assuming you have no sunroof. Even from the concept of trickle charging, you would never generate enough electricity to go anywhere significant. Right now in the RV world, solar is actually a huge deal. You want to go ahead and put, you know, several hundred watts of solar on there just because you can power a decent amount of small electrical things like a small cooler or just the internal lights or just even trickle charging the battery to make sure it doesn't die. But none of them can be powered by those same solar panels. That's kind of where we are with solar right now. It's also why when, you know, Tesla says we're going to make giant solar fields that power 
these megawatt chargers, I laugh. A megawatt, by the way, is a million watts. When they show a massive array of solar panels that looks like it would range up to maybe 10 kilowatts, if you're lucky, you want to try and power multiple megawatt chargers? Yeah, solar's not there yet, and it might not ever be. Maybe it will. Maybe it'll prove me wrong. The thing is that solar is not going to be for powering these massive vehicles. You need to find another source. Or have a lot more panels. Right now, fossil fuel is the answer. Will it be the same answer down the road? Probably not. Will it be the answer in 2035? It's hard to say, which brings me to the other point. There is no way you're going to enforce that statement by 2035. Someone is going to change it because I guarantee you every single person that is in the European Parliament that made that declaration will not be in the European Parliament by 2035. They will not, period. Which is why I hate these declarations that are 10 plus years out. Talk is cheap. And going ahead and saying that you're going to go ahead and do something after you're long gone is even cheaper. That being said, though, Europe is in the best situation to do that. But for, you know, if someone were to say do that here in the United States, say that we're going to go all electric by 2035, there's no way. There's no way. Not even close. 2045, maybe. But the rollout of EVs, the growing pains that are being made obvious in Tesla right now, and the fact that there's a shortage of chargers, there are going to be significant hurdles. They're not going to be able to do this as fast as they say they're going to. So, once again, yet another example of cool. Another promise you probably have no intention on ever, ever, ever keeping. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, let's get into the talk about Elon and everything Twitter. It's going to be great. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Elon Musk has a problem. I know, biggest understatement of the year. But the problem is the fact that uh, Ukraine has been using SpaceX for weapons. <laughs> so here, here's the story, all right? So SpaceX has been using, has been offering their internet to Ukraine citizens to help keep things running over there during the war. However, then Ukraine was using SpaceX's satellites for sending targeting 
instructions to drones. SpaceX has now tried to restrict this usage heavily, mostly because SpaceX doesn't want to be part of the war at all. It's, 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 it's not good for your brand image of helping with the war. I mean, I personally would say you'd want to help out, but I also admit I'm a guy behind a microphone that runs a dry cleaner. So, I mean, that sort of thing doesn't really cross my mind at all, but it's still just kind of funny that this has to be a story that comes out of saying, please stop using our internet satellites for targeting missions with drones. Oh, and a lot of Tesla news recently came out. Oh boy. Some very, very bad ones, in fact. One of them is apparently missing from my stack. Where is it? This is actually now really annoying. One of which being that Tesla has had a safety recall saying that the fully self-driving functions of the cars have in fact led to accidents. Wow. What are the odds? The thing that's not ready for prime time and is openly called a beta was not ready for prime time and is openly called a beta. In fact, actually, the evidence showing that the vehicles were ready for prime time um, were staged. A top Tesla engineer confesses that he staged the inaccurate self-driving video at the order of Elon Musk. Yikes. You know, all of a sudden, the technological superiority that Tesla has is dwindling more and more and more. Because while the autopilot functions, which is basically just adaptive cruise control, is still really good on the Tesla, Everyone else is catching up. And not by like a small, not by like a small amount either. Now, like, oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Like Chevy and Ford's version of it are both really close. I mean, let's be honest. What was the last technological advancement that Tesla came up with? Making the Model S more minimalistic, have a useless steering wheel that's now even more awkward to use with unsafe buttons and everything else. I mean, it's not looking good for Tesla. 
the innovations they've had, they were years ahead. Now, not only are they looking worse, I mean, not only are they just looking about up to date, but the leadership of Elon is being heavily brought into question just because of the mismanagement of Twitter. And then you have stories like this coming out, bringing up anything involving Elon into question. Elon may have gone into the history books as the person who helped push us in this modern day more towards electric vehicles than ever before. But I don't think he's going to be a part of the future when we start getting 10 years down the road. It's already starting to look very questionable. But it's easy to say that now. We'll see how things are in the future. After all, Tesla still has a huge advantage. They have a ton of chargers located throughout the country. That is their biggest advantage by far in the electric car market. But then, of course, you question Elon again after you hear about how he had the engineers make a special system showing you all of his tweets first. How many of you noticed that? That you started seeing way, 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 way more Elon tweets in your Twitter feed? I did. For, like, all of January, I noticed this. Just tons of them. Then it got even worse. About, about a week ago. And uh, lo and behold, all of a sudden after these reports started coming out saying that uh, there's a system put in place where Elon would promote himself. This actually does, for someone trying to go ahead and push Twitter as a free speech brand, this is about the worst thing you could do. There is nothing worse than trying to say all speech is equal, but my speech is more equal. That was the threat first off with Twitter Blue, trying to say that if you pay you might get promoted more. And if you don't pay, well, you might get uh, promoted less, I guess. Well, isn't this far worse? When you as the CEO put yourself even higher up, but it's free speech, all speech is equal, right? Right? That generates some real trust issues. Kind of like the trust issues they'd have for two-factor two authentication. Yes, get this. 
if you have two-factor authentication on Twitter via SMS, meaning that the two-factor authentication code is texted to you on your cell phone, it's no longer going to be offered unless you have Twitter Blue. However, you can still get two-factor authentication if you don't have Twitter Blue, you just have to use a service like Google Authenticator or Authy. Now, there's some funny things to dig into this, all right? So first off, a lot of services are actually no longer doing SMS two-factor authentication for a couple of reasons. One, it's costly. To send out an SMS message on servers like this, it usually costs somewhere between half a cent to two cents to do so. So when you start running the math, let's say Twitter has, how many, how many users does Twitter, Twitter have? Let's quickly look that up. Total users on Twitter, 353 million, all right? Let's say that 5% of those 353 million have two-factor authentication, all right? I think five is generous, all right? That puts you at 17.65. I should actually get the calculator up on screen. Although if you're listening to this podcast uh, on the audio version, you can check it out live when it's recorded on the weekends at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Let's get the calculator on the screen, all right? All right, Twitter has 355, 353 million users. One, two, three, one, two, three. All right, let's say 5% of them use two-factor authentication. That means 17.65 million use two-factor authentication. All right, let's say, let's even give the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that it costs half a cent for Twitter to send a text message. Let's say they negotiate a really good deal, which they probably did. All right, times once again, 0.005. That means per day, anytime that they'd log in, we'll actually say once a month, all right? Let's even be more generous. That's $88,250 in Twitter's budget. That is a decent chunk of change. If you can cut those costs, that'd be great. And theoretically, you sign up for a service like Authy, would cost probably a lot less. I'd probably say, probably safe to say, what, five grand a month? Is that kind of service to offer that sort of function to something the size of Twitter? Again, I'm pulling these numbers out of thin air, but you kind of get where they're coming from. It is a cost-saving measure. Here's the other one though. SMS for two-factor authentication is the least secure version of S of two-factor authentication other than just not having two-factor authentication at all. 
there are ways to spoof phone numbers and even redirect text messages you get and all the all the attacker would need is just a small amount of information they could get from say oh i don't know a data leak using something like authy or google authenticator negates this risk so switching the cheaper version is safer more secure and in the end better overall for the users and for twitter it is a move that many tech operations are using because it makes sense they're keeping sms around as a backup only for those who have no way to use Authy or Google Authenticator because it is an app on a smartphone. Okay, that makes sense, right? So why the heck would you put that behind a paywall? Because everything I just told you is true. SMS is an inferior way and a legacy way to do two-factor authentication. It should, if anything, be phased out completely. It should not be a premium feature put behind a paywall. What? Remember how earlier I was talking about that companies would have multiple people on boards so that bad ideas would be squished and stopped before they'd be put into implementation? This, this right here should not have left a table. This is a stupid, 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 stupid idea. And quite frankly, every person that signed on for it should be smacked. It's terrible. It's a dumb, dumb answer. Because here's, here's how it plays out PR-wise, all right? You have one of two kinds of people. The kind of people that see this and think that two-factor authentication is killed and put behind a paywall and Twitter is now a dead platform, or people like me that know what's going on, that understand that two-factor authentication isn't going away from Twitter, that there are ways you can still get two-factor authentication, better, more secure ways to get two-factor authentication, but the worst version is now being put behind a paywall. So to one half you look stupid, and to the other half you look stupid. Brilliant. Brilliant move, Twitter. That's all I can say. Bravo. Bra freaking row. Wow. But here's something I hate in tech. When you have a stupid idea, it spreads. Why? I don't know. Let's get rid of the headphone jack on fo on phones. Okay. Let's make irregular irregularly shaped screens so that it's really awkward to view content on. Okay. Let's get rid of expandable storage. That's a convenient feature everyone loved and gave a fantastic way for um gave a fantastic way to back up a phone and a great feature for business customers. Let's get rid of that. Okay. We've seen this time and time and time again. 
someone in chat says keep in mind there'll still be people paying for for sms two-factor authentication i mean there has to be there's a lot of people that are paying for twitter blue for all the wrong reasons it still doesn't change the fact it's still stupid it's also incredibly stupid that meta is looking at twitter and thinking man that whole thing about um selling um icons that mean verified for 12 bucks a month you know i think they might be onto something <laughs> Have they learned nothing? You already saw how dumb it made the platform? Oh, it's, I hate it. I cannot stress enough how much I hate it. Meta is testing a paid ver verification for Instagram and Facebook for $12 a month or $15 a month on mobile. The Meta verified account will grant users a verified badge so everyone knows that you went ahead and submitted your wallet to Mark Zuckerberg. It'll also increase the visibility on platforms and prioritize customer support and more. I always hate it when any company mentions only two things it does and then says, and more. Like, am I the only one that thinks like the minimum for features to involve an and more should at least be three. Like, I feel that's like the minimum. Like, you're going to do Twitter blue. Oh, it increases your visibility. It gives you a verified badge. It gives you the ability to uh, still get your two-factor authentication via SMS and more. Like, I feel three is the minimum. But the feature is going to be rolling out soon. Someone in chat says, are they going to copy? Is Facebook going to copy the part where Zuckerberg's feeds or uh, tweets and everything ends up at the top of your feed? Man, I hope not. Actually, I don't care. I don't care. Dude, I got to gripe for a minute. I've griped a bit about this in the past. But recently I've been pushing out more and more of my clips of my channel on pretty much every platform I can get my hands on. On YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Instagram, first off, does not have the ability to schedule your posts. I have tried several services that say they do. None of them work. All right, none of them. They're all a mess. I've just had to go through and do it by hand on each one. Instagram, I just have to do it... Uh eventually 
But man, trying to get Instagram to play nice with any of these third-party apps to put in a feature that should be there, the ability to freaking schedule a post, which by the way, you can schedule a post on Facebook. I've done it for work. You could freaking schedule a post on Facebook, but you can't do it on Instagram. Why? I don't know. It's mind-blowing. I do not understand how a company worth as much money as Facebook is so bad at the one thing they do. <sighs> but I guess I can just look forward to the pay Facebook $12 a month so that you too can have a sucker badge next to your name. And that's all it's going to amount to. That is by far the biggest problem with all these programs it's a problem for twitter blue like let's say for example i want to go ahead bite the let's let's pretend i was desperate to for growth i went ahead bit the bullet bought twitter blue so that more of my posts talking about my stream and everything got viewed to more eyeballs and helped grow the platform all right let's pretend i did that you know the problem is everyone would know i did that because there'd be a big fat freaking check mark next to my name. And I couldn't even lie about it and say like, oh no, 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 I'm just that big. I got the verified check mark to verify that I'm really real. Because that whole program's about to go away anyway. Why the heck would you want that on other platforms? What is wrong with you people? It's maddening. It is absolutely maddening that this is the state of social media to copy ideas that is actively killing a platform. Holy cow. In other good news, um, the new AMD Ryzen 9 7845HX that's meant for laptops is twice as fast as the previous best in slot CPU within the AMD SKU. And in fact is faster than any offering that Intel has. And theoretically is actually even faster than the M2 Max and Pro. Holy cow, AMD. Calm down. Calm down. Uh, it is impressive. That it has that kind of performance. But of course, these are just leech benchmarks. We'll have to wait and see how things go. All right, shifting gears over to the workstation market. Intel is back in action. Intel has announced new Xeon W processors. The Xeon W, for those who don't know, are Intel's processors that are designed by like the same team that does the server grade stuff, but is specifically programmed with higher clock speeds for 
workstations. So this is for the high-end compute market. And quite frankly, right now, the high-end compute market has a problem. Remember how AMD went ahead and launched Threadripper and absolutely raffle stomped Intel out of the workstation market? When was the last Threadripper that wasn't a Threadripper Pro and thus made hilariously overpriced? Does anyone know? The Threadripper 3000 series was the last time we got real Threadrippers. So all of a sudden, Intel coming in and trying to get some of that market share back. Smart move. And in fact, the capability of this is impressive. For Intel anyway. The highest end being a 56 core CPU with up to 112 threads, max turbo speeds at 4.8 gigahertz, unfortunately with its base speed at 1.9. So, but it does have the capability to boost high, so your applications that need high clock speeds can just utilize those cores as needed, but still have a whole lot of other cores needed for many core situations. 112 PCI Express lanes using DDR5, Octa memory channel. However, some of these are only quad memory channel. This will make motherboarding very interesting. But the price is yikes. At 5,889 for the highest end Xeon W. That puts it higher than Threadripper was. But puts it in line with the current Threadripper offerings. Now, this is still under, core-wise, the amount that Threadripper can push out. The highest end Threadripper right now is still 64 cores. Which is still insane. But it is still more expensive. Intel right now, price-wise, in the professional market, is actually outdoing AMD. And that is very interesting. It does make me wonder when the Threadripper 7000 series comes out, are we going to see the return of the non-pro Threadrippers to compete in this market? Ladies and gentlemen, competition is back, and it's good. The other thing that's remarkable about the Intel line coming out is the fact that it's also a chiplet design. Yes, it's actually chiplet based. It's Intel's first go 
at chiplet. Granted, it's not like pure chiplet like Ryzen is, but these higher end ones are using a form of chiplet design. Now, before we go ahead and praise Intel too much, we will have to wait and see how the performance actually is. It's very easy to see. Ooh, 3.8 gigahertz. Ooh, 56 cores. Starting with a hexacore. Ooh. And doing 4.2. Ooh. Interesting, interesting stuff. Ooh. Let's calm down a bit. Let's see how things go first. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a problem that's existing in the Android phones. Remember how earlier we were talking about how some features we wish we still had in the Android space, expandable storage being one of them. The S twenty three is coming equipped with sixty gigabytes worth of pre-installed bloat on the phone. So if you went ahead and ordered 128 gig version thinking that's plenty of storage, that's more than enough for me, you're losing half of that to the operating system and bloat that is pre-installed. That's crazy. Now, a couple of other numbers to consider. The actual Android operating system is roughly around 20 gigabytes. All right. Another thing is that a lot of this used space is from the tweaks that the manufacturer does to Android. So the one UI that Samsung uses is going to be bigger than stock Android. In addition, there's also a lot of bloat that the carrier also installs. And even last year, this was also still a problem with the S22 having roughly 45 gigabytes of taken space. Look, I think this is just important to consider when you're looking at a phone upgrade. Like, personally, I'm looking at a phone upgrade. I'm looking to upgrade my S21, mostly because I need to go ahead and uh, switch carriers anyway, because my current carrier, first off, A, keeps trying to push me into installing TikTok on my phone, which I don't want to do, and B... I don't get cell reception in my own apartment. So I need the switch. Yeah. Now, someone in chat went ahead and said, I'm so glad I jumped in to buying a Red Magic 7. <laughs> Man, I got bad news for you. Random person in the chat praising their Red Magic 7. 
Because um, it turns out that the top Android phones from China are packed with spyware. <laughs> so what'll it be? A whole bunch of garbage installed on your phone? Or spyware? You know, I'm, I'm just going to say it. More and more and more. Rooting your phone and installing a raw version of Android onto your phone used to feel like an extreme measure, but man. Lately, it feels like the correct answer. Or maybe I'm just drinking too much Kool-Aid and wearing too many tinfoil hats. It just feels like more and more and more. FDIS format reinstall seems like the correct answer to all of our phone problems, other than the fact we still don't have a headphone jack. Meanwhile, in the Apple world, they are contemplating an ultra phone. Of course they are. Because you know what we need? We need an Apple phone that has more camera lenses than phone. We need an Apple phone that costs, when all is said and done, as much as a car payment to pay off every month in addition to your phone bill. We need to go ahead and have a phone break five digits. Was Apple just jealous that Samsung was selling more expensive phones? Is that what this is? We're jealous that Samsung is selling more expensive phones and thus we need to go ahead and not only steal their naming scheme, but sell a more expensive version. Ugh. I just, I pity anyone that has to cover the mobile phone market because they have to look at this and just go, sigh. Just, just sigh. Oh yeah, and the rumors, by the way, of a portless design are still floating around and are getting stronger. I know I've been predicting it for like 20 years now, but man, it looks like it's finally going to happen. Oh boy. Isn't that going to be great? They're going to introduce a $2,000 phone. And all the other phones are just not going to have ports. <laughs> Why? Why is this the world I live in? <sighs> but wait, there's more. There's more reports from the Apple world saying that, in fact, the USB-C port may in fact have a lightning-like authenticator chip in it, which would then disbar you from using devices that are not approved by Apple.
Oh boy. So the pro version will most likely have USB-C. But if you try to use non-Apple USB-C accessories, it will just refuse to work. I'm shocked, but I'm not surprised. Not in the least. And I wish I could just say, say anything to you like, no, there's no way, no, they, they wouldn't do it because of this, that, and the other thing. They would. They would. Some early reviews of PS VR 2 are coming out and saying that the performance and the optimization of the second generation PlayStation VR is on par with high-end PCs running at an RTX 3090 Ti. Someone in chat says they doubt they can make it refuse to charge, but they'd make it... This is talking about just accessories. Like, say, if you wanted to attach an external camera or an external microphone, if it was not Apple-approved, it just wouldn't work. Or, say, a USB-C mouse or something in that regard. Even though it could theoretically work, there would be an authenticator chip built in that would deny it to work. Charging, I think, would still work because that's a pretty standard way for it to work. But this is also Apple we're talking about. I wouldn't put it past them to make it refuse to work. Actually, you know what would be very Apple-like? They could go ahead, bring in USB-C, but call it Lightning 2. And make it so you still need, you, that you still need to be Apple certified and for them to get their royalties. You could, th the worst part is, you could see Apple doing this. You laugh. You laugh at how stupid it sounds. But they are totally capable of doing it. You could totally see them doing it, too. You know I'm right. I don't want to be right, but you know I'm right. <sighs> man. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, man. Anyway, back to the PSVR 2. If what everyone is saying is true, I actually don't know if it's actually out, out yet for the general consumer to buy yet. But if these early reviews are true, this says a lot about optimizing for very specific hardware. Oh, the PS4 can't do a whole lot. It only has a 16, 16, uh, was it a 6570 for an AMD GPU in there? With Jaguar cores, it's a terrible system. Oh man, the PC that runs that fast, dude, that's terrible, terrible. Dude, they got games running on there that would take a PC 
a 70 or 80 tier card to run from two generations down the road. This is yet another kind of notch in that feather of how efficiency in a console for targeting very specific hardware is so much better than what we can do on PC, despite the fact on PC we have so much more powerful hardware. Like, you're never going to see a console rocking two 12-core CPUs. It's never going to happen. You're never going to see a console rocking a 700-watt GPU. It's never going to happen. But what they can run, they make it run extremely well. And I'll tell you what, as long as you can get your hands on it, and as long as costs of PC gaming be still become increasingly prohibitive, looking at you, NVIDIA, I think console gaming is going to get far far more interesting and far more popular. Meanwhile, in the gaming space, Activision Blizzard says that the deal should go through. And you want to know why they say that? Why? Activision Blizzard logic says that the success of the Last of Us game proves that uh, proves that Microsoft should buy Activision Blizzard. <laughs> you, you know, you know. M&M cookie dough frozen custard is absolutely delicious. Incredible. It is incredible, amazing ice cream. And that is why you should give me 50 bucks. And if you thought for a minute that those two things have no things, no, no two have nothing in common, so there's no reason you should do it. Congratulations, you have a functional brain. What is the logic here? <laughs> okay, you want the actual logic to this? It's better than you think it is, but it's still bad. So, the key argument right now for the deal for Activision Blizzard and Microsoft to not go through is because Microsoft will become way too popular as Call of Duty becomes console exclusive to Microsoft. Okay? That's the logic with... with Alright? That's the main argument, right? And of course, Sony has no good exclusives. They only have Call of Duty and some other exclusives that are lesser. So thus, that going only to Microsoft would be terrible. So, The Last of Us, a video game series that is an exclusive on Sony platforms, 
doing very well as a movie on HBO proves that Sony actually has some good franchises that are doing very successful and in fact make for a very good show on HBO. That's the logic. Because The Last of Us is now popular as a TV show, Sony now has a franchise that is doing successful. Now then, who is going to give me $50 because ice cream tastes delicious? It's the same. <laughs> it's... I get where they're coming from. But man, you must be including some serious, serious drugs with this letter if you expect the FTC to buy this argument. Because here's the thing. Call of Duty makes basically prints money hand over fist with every single sequel. How much money did The Last of Us 2 make? How beloved was Last of Us 2 compared to Last of Us 1? What are the odds of a Last of Us 3? Uh, yeah. Way, way lower than the sheep buying the next Call of Duty game. But there you go. That is my reason why you should get $50. <laughs> Don't actually do that, by the way. Oh, it's... I just couldn't help it. When that article crossed my radar, I had to, like glare at it for like 10 minutes just going like what 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 do those two things have to do with each other it's silly oh man someone in chat says in before call of duty the show kills the game somehow man i'd be happy i'd be really happy if that happened I would not mind literally any other first-person shooter franchise taking Call of Duty's place. So, let's talk about E3 for a minute. E3 looks less and less likely like it's going to happen. Just about every single major player will not be in there. Microsoft won't be there, Nintendo won't be there, Sony won't be there. So, who is going to be a part of E3? Ubisoft. Ubisoft will be at E3. And that might be the only person at E3. <laughs> Someone in chat asked, what about Devolver? Devolver has really never been at E3. The Devolver press conference has always kind of been their own standalone thing. I don't think they ever actually had a real presence at E3. But, um, yeah. 
at least there will be Ubisoft. And all the beloved Ubisoft franchises like Rabbids and... Anyway, let's glare at Microsoft a bit more. As in fact, Microsoft has confirmed that Game Pass actually does cannibalize sales and is actually bad for the gaming industry as a whole. Who would have thought that um, asking people to pay $15 a month to get a, access to a massive library of games you can download with DRM to lock said games if you don't keep paying $15 a month would cannibalize direct sales of games? Who could have actively predicted that? Apparently, though, that was actually an argument that Microsoft made at one point. How they got away with making that argument, I don't know. But in fact, Microsoft has confirmed that, in fact, game sales go down if they're on Game Pass. To the shock of literally no one that does basic math. Bravo. Bravo. Good job. TikTok is going to be revamping their their monetization efforts. So right now, aside from the fact that TikTok is a absolutely terrifying spying agency disguised as a social media direct dispenser, TikTok does pay creators. In fact, some of the highest end TikTok creators make about an, as much money streaming on TikTok as I do streaming on Twitch to an audience of roughly one dozen. That is how bad the monetization is. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. But TikTok wants to change this. TikTok wants to apparently work on paywalled videos, good luck with that, and then revamp its creator fund so that maybe, just maybe, they can actually pay creators non-slave wages to make content on the platform. What a novel thought, huh? Gee, could it be because actually YouTube Shorts is starting to gain some traction? And maybe, just maybe, they want to try and stop the bleeding before it begins? Uh, incredible. Simply incredible. Someone in chat said, no, TikTok creators make money by selling out. That's not making money on TikTok. That's making money off influencing. There's a difference. For example, when I consider how much I make on Twitch, I don't include my sponsors of deals. Mostly because they're dwarfed by what I make on Twitch. They do not make much. Anyway, back to the shows or the stories. One thing that is becoming an issue, and we actually saw a little bit of this earlier before we started the podcast, 
combining deep fake AI technology and AI generated voices to make silly things. For example, we saw one earlier on stream trying to have the last three presidents on a a Final Fantasy 14 team and being toxic to each other. And we have another one here that is making the rounds and on the news of Joe Rogan trying to sell penis pills. And the thing is, is that the AI voice is getting so good. It actually sounds like something that actually came from the podcast, but it's not. I've seen one that's also been making the rounds of current president Joe Biden reciting the, the Vaporeon meme. If you want to know what the Vaporeon meme is, I'm not telling you. Too bad. So like a lot of this right now is just being used for, for gags, for fun. What happens when it's finally being used for something more nefarious? Say if something was used to have a political figure uh, falsely confess to some sort of heinous crime. Or say, here's a good one for the next election. Let's say we have candidate A and candidate B. What if candidate A uses AI to make it sound like candidate B 100% supports Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Even though it never happened. You start seeing how this kind of technology can be used for incredibly dangerous stuff and dangerous pieces of misinformation. And could have massive ramifications Beyond just trying to push like fricking Viagra knockoffs or promoting some kind of NFT scam or anything of that, it could have major consequences. This is some scary, scary stuff. But in the meantime, we can just chuckle about it it's all fun and games for right now until it's not in any case in the in the world of but why though i give you the ploppy headphones a set of headphones <laughs> someone in chat says we could see logan paul promoting an nft scam no, no, that's normal. That's just normal Logan Paul. The ploppy headphones are unique in the fact that they are, in fact, open source 3D printed headphones. I'll be perfectly honest. Part of me is just amused by the concept of, dang it. 
my headphones died. Let me go print a new pair. It's not quite that level of like Star Trek replicator technology where you broke something. Let me just go make another one out of thin air. I mean, this is going to take like several hours, but the concept still greatly, greatly amuses me. Especially since it's open source, so anyone can go ahead and modify it however they wish. And this story is a little old, but I still want to go ahead and give a moment of silence for the never-ending TV show that got canceled. The AI-generated Nothing Forever show has been taken off of Twitch because the AI started making transphobic jokes. Isn't that always the test? To make sure no one can 4chan up your robot? I made an artificial chatbot. Is it 4chan proof? Is it Reddit proof? These are the benchmarks. This is what you have to do. If you can't do it, I hate to break it to you. It's gonna happen. And not resistant. You can't make it just resistant to that sort of thing. Because there's going to be tons of people out there. That want to do everything in their power. To see if they can break something. And break it good. But enough about shows trying to spread hate. Instead, we should focus on something spreading love. With that, I give you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the saddest attempt that Activision Blizzard has ever given, has ever done, to try and get your attention. An Overwatch 2 dating sim yes overwatch in their desperate attempt to try and catch any kind of attention quickly went ahead and whipped up a visual novel to try to try and get you to fall in love again with some of your favorite characters. Now, the only unfortunate thing is as far as I'm aware, I'm not going to lie, I'm not into that sort of thing. Uh, the only characters that are available to try and romance are Mercy... And, oh God, I'm going to mess it up. Genji? 
Genji's the robot ninja, right? Yeah, Gen Genji's the robot ninja. Hanzo is the archer. Uh, for a moment, I thought I was going mi to miss those two up. Those are the only two you can, you can romance. To which... I just got to ask Overwatch. I just have to ask Blizzard. Why are you like this? Why do you insist on not letting us romance whoever we want? What, what if we wanted to go ahead and try to romance the mech that D.Va's in? Not D.Va, j just the mech. Or the gorilla. I forgot. I can't remember the gorilla's name now. I just gotta say, though. Of all the things that Blizzard has done recently. This at least. Hopefully. Winston. Thank you, chat. This hopefully. Has been one of the things that Blizzard has done recently. That has caused the least amount of of employee harassment within the entire complex. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And again, I apologize for the lack of episodes recently. I'm back. My voice is actually doing really well. I actually managed to go... The, go. How long have we been live now? Six hours? Six hours? Nothing but a, a, a slight amount of hoarseness? I think it's safe to say... I'm back. I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing. And check out my Twitch page, where every where this podcast pretty much kept afloat by the support given there at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Now, here's the real problem with this, all right? Now, Overwatch is right now in a game that is in dire straits, all right? Their dev team is working on wit's end to try and save the game while also at the same time trying to avoid all of the tension within the office space, all right? They have an environment that is very difficult to handle. And they managed to put out something very unique for their seasonal event. Square, what's your excuse? I'm just saying, the last couple seasonal events, especially the romance one, especially the, the Valentine one has just been meh, bleh. Look, all I'm asking is where is my Yastola dating sim?
That's all we've ever wanted forever. And probably some other, some other characters too in the game. I mean, come on, man. Where is it? We could have had it so much more. Someone in chat says they want to date Ultros. Uh, for those who don't know the context, Ultros is a perverted octopus. I'm going to leave you with that. Take care. Bye.